Well, welcome and thank you for joining us at our service today. My name is John, one of the pastors here. In case you don't know who I am, it is my privilege and my joy to bring to you the Word of God. If you're tuning in from Malaysia at this point of time, the CMCO is still in effect, but I want to encourage you, though we are socially distanced, we are not spiritually disconnected because we are still gathering like this. If you are watching live, I just want you to light up the chat room and just say hello, just say praise the Lord, just give thanks to God, just let your presence be known because while we still have a voice, we still have a choice to praise the Lord. Amen. It is awesome and great to be here. And uh, I'm actually a little bit nervous uh, bring, bring, wanting to bring to you the Word of God today. We are still in our Zechariah series, right? We just started not too long ago. And today, uh, I've landed on Zechariah chapter 5. I've actually drawn the short stick of the lot, uh, of the lot because um, this weekend, right, Pastor Gilbert is actually doing Zechariah 4 where there is that awesome scripture that says, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord, right? That's in Zechariah 4. And he got Zechariah 4, I got Zechariah 5, which is about a flying scroll and a woman in a basket. It's going to be interesting, right? So I've actually titled my sermon. Now you may fall off your chair, so you might want to hold on to something when you hear this title. And the title is this, The Curse of God. The Curse of God. Now before you switch off and go, I ain't listening to this, I hope this actually piques your curiosity enough to tune in and lean in a little bit more. And I'll show you why I've titled this message as such. And there will be a happy ending at the end, so don't worry about it. Now, let's go to Zechariah chapter 5. I'm going to read the whole of Zechariah chapter 5. It is only about um, 11 verses, okay? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to read along with me. Zechariah 5, it is, if you can't find it, it's if you're flipping your Bibles, it is towards the end, uh, just before the New Testament. Now, Zechariah 5, verse 1 says this, I looked again, and there before me was a flying scroll. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a flying scroll 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. And he said to me, this is the curse that is going to come over the whole land for according to what it says on one side, every thief will be banished. And according to what it says on the other, everyone who swears falsely will be banished. The Lord Almighty declares, I will send it out and it will enter the house of the thief and on the house of him who swears falsely by my name. It will remain in his house and destroy it, both its timbers and its stones. Verse 5, Then the angel who was speaking to me came forward and said to me, Look up and see what this is and that is appearing. I asked, what is it? He replied, it is a measuring basket. And he added, this is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. Then the cover of lead was raised and there in the basket sat a woman. He said, this is wickedness. And he pushed her back into the basket and pushed the lead cover down over its opening. Then I looked up and there before me were two women and in the wind in their wings. They had wings like those of a stork, 
and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. Where are they taking the basket? I asked the angel who was speaking to me. He replied, to the country of Babylonia to build a house for it. When it is ready, the basket will be there, will be set there in its place. May God bless the reading of his word. Now, have you ever known somebody who, um, who, who's not very big on details, who just goes straight to the point? Maybe you have a, a spouse, you know, you ask them, how was, your day at work? how was your day at work? And they go, good. And you ask them, what happened? And they said, nothing much. Or maybe your kids are like that. How was the school today? Okay. What did you learn? Stuff, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just kind of like, it gets to you, right? Um, I admit, I am not a juicy details person. So if you went on a date, or if you hear a piece of gossip or anything like that, I will be like, just go straight to the point. Tell me what is it about, right? I know some people, they love all the details. Like, tell me how did you go? Where did you go? Uh, what car did he pick you up in? Was he nice? Or what did you have for dinner? What do you talk about? You know, I'm not big into details. And if I were to go with the way um, I am and describe Zechariah 5, it would be just be like this. What is Zechariah 5 about? It's about sin. And what about sin? Well, God hates it. We can now finish our sermon. Let's get the uh, closing song on and let's pray, right? As simple as that. But I'm sure you are here and you want to know a little bit more about what the scripture says here today. And I want to uh, tell you this, that it is not, I, don't, I take no pleasure in actually uh, bringing to you what Zechariah five says today. In fact, I actually did not really enjoy the process because I felt, it's not because I don't love the Word of God, it's just that I felt that, man, this is some harsh stuff. But at the end of the day, this is also the Word of God, the Bible. The Bible is the Bible. Every part of the Bible is a part of the Bible, right? Including the parts that we don't like and the parts that we may not fully understand or even accept. And Zechariah 5 is kind of like one of those um, books or chapters that fall into that category. But I pray that we will have an open heart and an open mind and journey along Zechariah 5, even as I unpackage it for you today. Now, the first thing I want to say is that, number one, two concepts we need to discuss before we dive right into the passage. And that is the concept of sin. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, not some, not a few, all. In fact, 1 John 1.8 says this, Whoever says they have no sin has no truth in them. And then verse 10 goes on further to say, Whoever says that he has no sin makes God out to be a liar and God's word is not in them. And that's the thing. You see, you cannot fully appreciate the value of the cross until you acknowledge the gravity of sin. That's our starting point. Jesus is not a genie to fulfill our wishes, even though he will meet our needs. Jesus is not an ATM machine where we go and perform transactions. Jesus is our savior. He saved us from our sins. And if he did, and 
he, when he died on the cross, he did it all for us and he never does anything ever again that will be good enough because of sin. Now you may say, I don't really, you may not really understand or even accept the concept of sin, but sin is everywhere. We see in sickness, we see the effects of sin everywhere. Sickness, disease, greed, political turmoil, backstabbing, betrayal, we see it everywhere. Lying and all that, sin is real. Now here's another concept that which many of us may not really like, another word, the word judgment. We don't like the word judgment, right? Don't judge me, right? we don't like that. But the truth is judgment is a very real concept in the Bible, right? So when Jesus, the first coming of Jesus, it was a period of grace and deliverance. But there is such a thing called the second coming of Jesus, where eventually it will be a time of judgment. Now, we don't like it, but the truth is not many of us would actually disagree with the concept of judgment. What do I mean? Think about just a, a, a very bad person, a child rapist, or a, or a thief, or a murderer, or a politician that violates quarantine rules. Think about that, right? Now, if all they had to do was just say, look, I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, many of us would feel like based on the gravity or based on the severity of their offence, we shouldn't just let them off. We actually need to pass sentence. It's not fair that one person can get fined 1,000 ringgit, but another person gets fair, fined 8,000. Those of you who live in Malaysia will know what I'm talking about. But here's what we're doing. We are passing judgment because people who did wrong need to undergo that. Now you put these two concepts together, sin and judgment. Sin is not just doing wrong. It's actually an offense against God. And we, in our human terms, we understand that when we break the law, we need to be judged. But what happens when we break God's law? You can put two and two together and recognize that. Zechariah 5 brings about the six and seven vision from the book of Zechariah. Before that, there were uh, about there were five other visions and they were all really nice visions to be honest they're all very encouraging very good and Zechariah 5 kind of takes like a different tone so let me now break down those two visions for you to tell you what it means the first part I, I titled the scroll and that is sin defined and destroyed now the scroll represents the word or the word of God or the law in the Old Testament, the law, which is known as the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, it is the foundation of the Jewish faith. It is also the foundation in which Jesus preached on as a rabbi. He, was, he himself was a rabbi and a teacher as well. So the law, the scroll represents the law. Now, here in the Bible, uh, Zechariah 5, we are told that this flying scroll that Zechariah sees is 20 by 10 cubits or 30 by 15 feet. Now, it could be a coincidence or it may not be, but this kind of actually reflects the measurements of the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. You can see that in Exodus 26 verses 15 to 25, as well as the porch of Solomon's temple. And you can see that in 1 Kings chapter 6 verse 3 where the law was actually read so if you look at that 
um, you, you can kind of like now say, wow, the implication of this scroll, it is that it is divine, it is, it is holy, it is set apart. But beyond that, uh, beyond the imagery, the largeness of the scroll, because can you imagine something flying in the air 30 by 15 feet? That's not a small object. The largeness of the scroll to me implies the obvious nature of God. The obvious nature of God. What do I mean by that? Romans 1.20 says this, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Just put it this way. Just because you didn't know something was wrong, even after you did that thing, you will still be punished in real life. Uh, think about this, right? Have you ever been to a complex where, or anywhere uh, where there is a reserve parking and you did not know it was a reverse, uh, sorry, reserve parking spot? Any of you, you have reserved parking spots and people just steal them all the time. All the church staff will know what I'm talking about, right? But if you went to park in a reserve parking spot, what would happen is you will get clamped, right? Most of the time, hopefully, that's the, the most severe thing you get. But when that happens, you, like, you can't say, I didn't know this was a reserved spot. You will still get punished. And I've also experienced this a couple of years ago when I was studying in Australia, in Melbourne. Now, I didn't know that um, you could not actually put your feet on, um, on, on the seat across of you in public transportation. So I remember there was once I was um, riding the train and the train was about 45 minutes and I thought to myself, wow, I can now take this opportunity to have a little snooze because I was feeling a little tired. And the train was relatively empty, so I thought, great, my lucky day. So I propped my feet up on the chair across me and I just fell asleep. I was so comfortable, I went into a deep sleep. But after about, I don't know, like half an hour or so, I, I felt a rude tap on my shoulder and I was a bit like angry. I'm like, who's waking me up, you know, in, my, in the middle of my glorious nap? And I saw this like big um, burly guy in front of me and he was, a, uh, he was one of those inspectors and he actually issued me a fine of 120 Australian dollars. And I was like, I didn't know I couldn't put my feet on on the chair and he was like it is written on the train and i'm like where and i saw a sign which was like oh whoops you know it's like kind of like far away it's not just something that you would go out of your way to read but here's the point i didn't know it was wrong but yet i was judged for it and it's the same in the same way many of us may say i didn't know this was wrong i don't think this is wrong but ultimately the judgment belongs to god the standards is set by god not by us Psalm 115 verse 3 says this, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. And as Christians, do we recognize that? That God is God and we are not? Or do we try to argue God's divinity and sovereignty away? And here's the other thing about the flying scroll. A part of it, apart from it being obvious and for everyone to know that this is the Lord of God, the flying scroll implies now a supernatural element of it. I think of um, the movie Independence Day. How many of you know that movie? I'm talking about the 1996 one, the one with Will Smith. Some of you listening may not, have, may not even been born 
then yet, right? But um, I was about nine when the movie came out. I was about 12 when I watched it, but I loved that movie, right? It was kind of like one of the first few movies that really got me into science fiction. But uh, I'm going to show you this picture, right? But you see in this picture, in this movie, if you know the movie, it's about this UFO, this aliens from outer space coming to invade the Earth. And in this picture, you see this UFO looming over the city, looming over the city, kind of like suggesting an impending doom or a coming destruction. And that's what the Flying Scroll is about, that it is looming over creation. The law is looming over and judgment is around the corner. And the Bible says, calls this the curse in Zechariah. The word curse is literally used. A couple of years ago, I was a cell leader um, back when I was studying overseas. And I remember a cell member of mine, um, he really took offense when he heard, or when, I don't know what, what the contact was. I think, I think he was watching a sermon or something else like that. But when the preacher in that sermon mentioned that God curses, it really dumbfounded him. He could not accept that God curses because we all understand God blesses, but God also curses. Now, what is this curse? This curse is the judgment of God. God is good, but He's also a judge. And the two sins on the scroll that are pointed out is this, the sin of death and the sin of swearing falsely by God's name. And it's really simple because this actually represents the two types of sins that is summed up in the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments consist of two types of sins. One, it is the sin against God, right? You shall have no God before you. You shall have uh, no other God before you. You shall also keep the Sabbath holy. But there is also sins against each other. You know, you should not steal, you should not kill, you should not bear false witness. So these two sins, the sin of death and the sin of false, swearing falsely covers that. So it encompasses all sins already and not just two specific sins. And not only that, the curse, this judgment, it says, will be sent out to the house of every thief and every person who swears falsely and it will be you will completely destroy the houses, the household of the offenders. That's super extreme, right? But that reminds me that the Bible also says that our God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4.24 and Hebrews 12.29. Our God is a consuming fire fire and the nature of fire is this fire consumes all until only fire is left when we pray may the fire of god come upon us we sometimes don't really know what we are asking for because fire not only fuels but it purifies and you see sin is like a cancer and those of you who are doctors or those of you who are familiar with how the treatment of cancer works is that you cannot give cancer a chance. You need to get aggressive with it because if you don't deal with it, if you don't cut off certain parts, if you don't remove it completely, what will it do? It will spread, it will increase and it will consume all that over 
takes. That's what sin is, you see. Sin thrills you, but then later it kills you. So that's God's attitude or posture towards sin. That His judgment is complete and it's true and true. Not even leaving the timber and stones in the house of the offenders. That's the first part. The second part is the basket, right? And the basket is this sin permeates, but it does not prevail. Now, the next vision is one of a basket or in a more precise term, an epaph. Now, what this epaph is, is actually the largest measure dry measurement of the Hebrew people. It is about nine liters or about, um, uh, sorry, it's about nine gallons rather or about 40 liters, right? But so it was a large basket or an epaph. Now, this measurement, it does not, it's not meant to be taken literally or we should read into uh, what this, uh, these numbers mean or anything like that, but it does represent how great the sin of people are because when Zechariah asked what was in the basket and, or what's the basket about, and the angel replied, this is the iniquity of the people of the land. So get this, not only God has a measure of sin, but God even defines, it is definitive, this is what sin is. So we cannot have any excuse. And 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 5 says this, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And look at verse 5. It's very incriminating and even damning text. It says this, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Wickedness and sin is vast and it will continue to increase like a cancer. And in this vision, there is a woman in the basket. And this woman is described by the angel as this is wickedness. Now, before you get upset and go, whoa, God's been, um, you know, God's been sexist. You know, how, why, why is it a woman? Why is it not a man? Blah, 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 blah. Just understand that in the Hebrew language, right? In the Hebrew language, there are masculine and feminine nouns. And often the feminine is used to describe abstract concepts. Kind of like Proverbs 1.20, when it talks about wisdom, wisdom calls out. She stands on the street corner shouting, right? So wisdom is described as a woman. Here, the imagery also is uh, described that there is a woman in a basket and this woman represents wickedness. And it kind of mirrors what we read in Revelation 17 and 18, where there is a... Um, great harlot or a great prostitute called the great whore of Babylon. Forgive my language, it's actually in the Bible. Right? The great whore of Babylon. And this woman, this harlot, this prostitute is not a literal uh, person, but it is a spirit. So just like a prostitute, how a prostitute sells herself, 
The Bible is talking about spiritual prostitution. How many people would sell themselves for different things. They would sell themselves to different gods, sell themselves to different values, sell themselves to different beliefs, all for, I don't know, acceptance, success, um, progress, whatever it is. I mean, Jesus himself warned, what good is it to gain the whole world but to lose your very soul? In Mark chapter 8, verse 36. So this is the woman called wickedness and the basket also has a cover of lead so not just a regular cover but one made of lead now what is lead lead is a symbol of judgment how do i know this if you know the story of moses leading the israelites out of egypt so that was the first redemption it was like Egypt was like Israel was being led out by God from Egypt and now this is a second redemption where Israel are being led back from exile so there's a contrast here now in the first redemption when God sank Pharaoh's army or drowned his army in the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds if you look at Exodus 15 verse 10 this is the song that is written what, what it says this it says but you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. Talking about the army of Pharaoh. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Wow, lead is a sign of judgment because lead is heavy. It has weight. So it represents the weight of judgment that will come upon sin. And the woman called wickedness is pushed back into the basket and the cover of lead placed on top of us saying judgment is final and complete there is that weight and you cannot overcome it and yet the vision doesn't end there because now we are told there are two women with wings like a stalk that appear and they lift this bucket up into the air between heaven and earth now are these two women agents of good or agents of evil well the stalk is actually considered an unclean animal in the Old Testament. You can see that in Leviticus 11 verse 19 and Deuteronomy 14 verse 18. But beyond whether they're good or bad, they are, what's important to know is that they are actually fulfilling God's grand design or His master plan. So what happens is this. What's happening here is this. Wickedness or sin, though it is already going to be judged, it will still be exalted, it will still lift itself up and it will permeate the land like a cancer. Wickedness will still increase. And where will these women bring this basket to? Zechariah says they will bring the, bring the basket to this place called the land of Babylonia. Now, this land of Babylonia in Hebrew is called the land of Shina. And where do we see the land of Shina first appear? Genesis chapter 11. I'll quickly just refer to it. Now, Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 to 4 says this, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shina and settled there. Now, we know this story. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. 
Let, they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Sin will want to make a name for itself. Sin will want to exalt itself. Sin will want to increase across the land, across the hearts, across the lives of people. Not only that, the vision goes on to say that they will actually build a house for it. Building a house suggests that there is going to be a permanence or a settlement. Because if you were to go to any place, you will only build a house or buy a house in a place if you actually want to settle there. And then it says that it will be put on in its place or in other versions, it will be put on a pedestal. So sin will not only increase, but sin will want to stay and sin will want to take the place of God and it will want to be exalted. But remember, in the flying scroll, what happens is that when judgment of God comes, it will destroy sin even down to the timber and to the stone. Sin will permeate, but it will not prevail. It will be completely eradicated. Matthew 24 verses 10 to 13, this is what Jesus said. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Amen. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So this is a heavy passage and it doesn't sound like it is very, it doesn't sound like it's very encouraging, right? But I want to just draw two lessons from what we can learn from this passage. The first one is this. Judgment delayed is grace displayed. Just because we don't see God's judgment yet, does not mean it isn't going to come. And just because, and because we don't see God's judgment yet, is because God's wants us to repent. God's grace abounds. Romans 5.20 says this, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. The basket, it was big, it was vast. It represents how vast and how massive the sin of people was. But yet God's grace was even bigger and we see that through Jesus. I want to challenge us today. Don't waste God's grace. Because grace is not a license to do whatever we want. It is empowerment to live according to to the way God wants. Don't waste the grace that is upon you and I. The Bible says, for God does not desire for any to perish, but for all to come into repentance. Judgment delayed is grace displayed. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1 to 3 says this, concerning 
how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. This is referring to when judgment will actually come. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman labor pains begin. There will be no escape. Revelation 16.50 seals this idea where it says, Look, I come as unexpectedly as a thief, says Jesus. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. There is no better time to live for the Lord than now. Not later, not when I have finished studying, not when I have built my career, not when I've earned enough money no the time to get serious with god is now and to continue to live in his grace the second lesson that we can draw from this passage is this it is possible to be over committed to the work of the lord but under committed to the lord of the work what do i mean by that you see zechariah was written in the same time as the book of haggai a book that we studied earlier this year. And if you remember, Haggai was all about rebuilding the temple of God. So Zechariah was coming to tell the people, hey, just because you are doing this spiritual thing, rebuilding this temple, it does not mean you can slack spiritually. That's not mean just because you are serving in church, just because you bother to tune into an online service once a week, just because you are a pastor, a leader, a full-time worker, just because all that, it does not mean that you should not take care of your own spirituality or relationship with God. 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 and 23 says this, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion, listen to this, is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. Very simple. You cannot make up in sacrifice what you lose out in obedience. Just because you are an usher in church, it does not mean you can have two wives at the side. Just because you tithe millions of, of ringgit to the church or to Christian organizations does not mean you can continue living the way that you live. Because all of this, God says, I desire obedience more than sacrifice. And the contents of that passage is that Saul was told to destroy everything. But Saul decided, I know better I'm going to keep some and God is going to be pleased. No. So this day, let us take stock. Let us examine ourselves as the Bible talks about and let us recommit ourselves to God. And I will end positively with this. For sin, judgment is a curse. But for the saved, judgment was upon Christ. That's powerful right there. You can say amen in the chat. 
you can say amen out loud. For sin, judgment is a curse. And God's curse is coming upon sin hard. But yet for the saved, for those who call upon the name of the Lord, judgment was placed upon Christ. So this message, though it is heavy and though it is it could be even not very uplifting but I will end by reminding us that all of this is a timely reminder to see that wow this is how much the Lord took upon himself to enable you and I to have relationship with God and to walk in his freedom in closing let's respond by singing this song let's worship him with this song Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Indeed, how can we respond? How else can we respond to your grace except to bow before you and say, Lord, you are our God. You are our great provider. You are our great help in a time of need. So we thank you. Those sin permeates but it will not prevail and we know God we acknowledge the sin itself is defined clearly what it is but it will also ultimately be destroyed so we thank you Jesus for your grace upon us we thank you Lord you know church faith family I want to encourage you right now if there is sin in your life even as i was preaching this message if the lord if the holy spirit brought to mind certain areas in your life that you need to repent from now you could be thinking oh man but i'm in so much trouble i don't know how to i don't know how to get out of this or that can i ask you don't lean on your strength but lean on god's day lean on god's grace talk to a pastor talk to a leader they will journey with you we the church will journey with you but whatever it is make sure you get right with God today and if you have never received Jesus in your life before as as your personal Lord and Savior can I invite you to take this opportunity to do that as well if you are watching with someone at home why don't you take this opportunity to nudge them and go hey do you want to accept Jesus do you want to come into loving relationship with him today thank you Jesus well this thank you for tuning in uh, with us I hope that message uh, blessed you but also challenged you and reminded you to recognize of God's grace upon our lives if you need prayer you can log into our online prayer room there will be a team there who will reach out to pray with you if you are new please go there as well but thank you for joining us uh, this week and next week we are going to be back here with Zechariah uh, chapter 6 but for now God bless you thank you so much for tuning in take good care of yourselves and we will see you again soon bye bye